Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to someone who's been an inspiration to me ever since I heard his story. In fact, I even wrote a blog post about him a few years ago. Um, I'll definitely link that in my show notes if you want to read it. But his name is Williamson Centil. So welcome and thank you so much for being on my podcast, Williamson. No, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I think I'm, I'm one lucky man to be here. You know, it's always a pleasure for me to share my story, to empower other people through my story. Well, I admire you for that. I really appreciate it. I'm going to tell a little bit about you first. So as a survivor from the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, Williamson takes advantage of every moment, experience, and opportunity he's given in life. His passion is to empower youth all over the world to believe in themselves. Through lots of hard work, he now owns his own small business, and he's also the founder of a nonprofit organization, Arise Project for Humanity. Arise empowers youth in Haiti to believe in themselves and to change their own community. He continues to take trips back to his home country with his organization. They're now building their first mentoring center in Southern Haiti. He is a husband and a father of two plus one on the way, and he lives with his family in Bountiful, Utah. In all of life's challenges, he searches for a way to remain positive and hopeful. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today, Williamson. I feel like you're such a powerful example of being a light in the darkness. So the very first sentence of your bio is kind of where I would like to start your story. You said that you're a survivor of the earthquake in Haiti. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about what happened to you? Yeah, I, by the way, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was 16. I remember that day. By the, by the way, I, I grew up in private school in Haiti. Usually in private school, you have to stay after school to do homework together with your classmate. You have to stay okay. doing your homework. And that day, my mom, she was at work. She felt like she needs to come pick me up right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then she, she left work. She drove to my school, and she picked me up. I didn't ask her why she can pick me up. I just jumped in the car, and then... <laughs> She drove me to my dad's orphanage. And then while I, while I was at the orphanage, I was there with all the kids, 13 other kids, one boy standing next to me, and the other 12 kids around me. Oh. The earthquake started. The building started shaking. And then the building collapsed on top of all of us. Oh, my gosh. At that age, I was 16. I had no idea if that was an earthquake. I didn't know much about earthquakes. And then I started yelling with all the other kids. We were so scared because we had no idea what's going on. And everyone thought that we were going to die. Of course, yeah. I could hear people outside calling my names, calling me, 
asking me, where are you, Williamson? Where are you? Where are you? I could hear my dad's voice. Everyone's looking for us because they knew where I was. They knew where the kids were, but they didn't see us. And then this little boy, I was 16 at that time and he was 12. He was underneath me. He was asking me, hey, are we going to make it? I didn't know what to tell him. But he kept asking me over and over, are we going to make it? In that moment, I felt the need. I felt the need to say a prayer for the first time of my life because I grew up Catholic. Okay. I, didn't, I did go to church, but my relationship with God wasn't something to make me think that I need to say a prayer under that building. But for the first time of my life, I said a prayer with all my heart. I said to God, if you save me, I am going to serve you. I closed my eyes and I said to God, if you save me, I am going to serve you. And that was all that I need under that building. That was, that was it. Wow. And what after that, I began, I began to feel someone on my back, on top of me. There was someone there, like, like a skin, like an angel. Wow. And this person was on top of me while the other little boy was underneath me. Because from the beginning, when the earthquake started, the building collapsed. And so you were pinned under material? Oh, I was hurting. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. I was hurting. But what after that prayer? Things changed. And then when this boy started asking me again, are we going to make it? I had that strong feeling that, yes, we are going to make it. I said, yes, we are going to make it. That's beautiful. And we spent the entire night, the next day. They did all they can. But the thing is, that night, the kids were screaming. Of course. I had that idea who came to my mind and said, Williamson, tell the kids to stop screaming because the more they keep using the voice, they're getting tired and they're going to die. And I tell them that. And the next morning, I heard them stop screaming one by one because they were slowly dying. They were tired. Like they were tired. The kids in the orphanage were tired. And they were slowly dying. And I spent another day under that building because all they can do was using a little pick and knife because they didn't have any tractor to get me out faster. Yes, it was probably a small town and you just had kind of the, the townspeople. It's Haiti, one yeah. of the poorest countries. Like the, the materials, the equipments they need to get me out wasn't available. And then... Mm. At the end, after 28 hours, they were able to get me out. I remember they tied a rope on my neck to get me out, but my right arm was stuck somewhere. They couldn't get me out. They had to take longer to remove everything on top of my arm so they can get me out. And the moment they were about to get me out, I was tired, thirsty, hungry. I was a minute away Mm -hmm. from dying. But thanks goodness they were able to get me out. And they did the same for the little boy. He was able to survive. Wonderful. Only two of us from that building. Even the people who were walking by the orphanage was under that building. 
Oh. And then after they rescue me, because my mom can pick me up that day for my school. And I was the only, mm-hmm. the only classmate who get out of 25 classmates, of 26 classmates. And after they rescue me, I find out that my 25 classmates died that same day. I can't even I was imagine. the only one who was able to survive. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I knew I must be alive for some reason. Mm-hmm. I knew that. And yeah, the earthquake happened and then I was able to survive. God wanted me to be here today and I'm grateful. I also know that my 25 classmates really well. I was the president of the class. I knew them. We chatted. We were good friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine experiencing that. So um, the orphanage, you said your mom dropped you off to your dad. Did your dad work at the orphanage? Did he own the orphanage? Yeah. I Growing up, I... I work for my parents. They own a few orphanages in Haiti and a few public schools. Okay. So that was part of my job. To was take the school there as well? There's as well. No, okay. only the orphanage. Okay. Yeah. And as a mother, I can only imagine. Um, you said that you heard your dad's voice out there calling for you, but as a mother, what was your mother doing through all of this? She wasn't there. She went crazy. Oh. She was trying to find a call to hate her. She said, I wanted to, I want to die right now. And because she was worried. Yeah. There's something about mom that no one can explain. Mm -hmm. Like my mom, she, she has done so much for me. Like the kind of life that I'm living right now, my mom prayed about that years, years. And she had a stroke a couple of years ago, which we can talk about at the end of the interview, but she's here with us right now. She's in Utah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So do you have um, brothers and sisters? Did anybody else from your family pass away? No. And I am the third. I have two oldest and three youngers. Oh, wow. (laughs) So you're right in the middle. (laughs) I know. That's why I'm lucky. And are they all back in Haiti or have they come? No, they're all in the U.S. They're all in the U.S. now. Are they living with you or near you? No. My youngers are... One in his mission right now for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. He's serving in every course mission. Oh, wow. And then the two elders, they part inside of the U.S. in Pennsylvania, New York. Yeah. That's amazing. So um, after the earthquake, so you, you went through the earthquake. You, you said your first prayer that you've ever prayed, and you felt at that time that you were going to be okay. And you were actually given instruction that saved your life. Um, the, the voice told you not to, not to be screaming. And so you, you, you listened to that voice um, and you were protected and you made a promise to God. So after the earthquake happened, can you tell me a little bit about, I'm sure there was so much now, this was a big earthquake, right? How big was the earthquake? Yeah. That was 7.9. close oh. to eight. <laughs> That's very big. And so I'm sure there was a lot of destruction all over yeah. um over 300,000 people died. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh. Died that day. That's terrible. That's yeah. terrible. And what a blessing and a miracle really that you're still here. So after you were you were rescued, um were you able to go back did your home survive? What were you doing after yeah, so, the earthquake? So after the earthquake, um we didn't have any water, any food, nothing to survive, but for me 
that was the beginning of something much better for my life. Okay. I, I made a promise with God. If you save me, I am going to serve you. So after the earthquake, I was looking for ways to, to keep that promise. And I remember, like you said, our home was destroyed. We were living in a tent. I remember while I was living in the tent, I met this great friend who introduced me to his church, the church he's part of. And then he invited me to church. I became the DJ of the church. Every Friday, <laughs> I was playing music for the church. I was <laughs> Then, yeah, every Friday they have that activity. People come and dance, non-members, members. And the thing is, when I first came to the church, everybody kept calling me by my name. And I said, wait, this guy set me up. <laughs> No one know, yeah, no, they don't know my name. And then six months later, I joined the church. I met two missionaries, two elders, and then they introduced me to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then I, I get baptized on July 17, my birthday. That's why July is my favorite month. Special. And then I, I was still looking for ways to serve God. Because the thing is, this experience helped me to understand that right now, I'm not only have my own dream on my shoulder, I have 25 other dreams on my shoulder. Wow. So I wanted to make something out of my life. I remember I studied really hard. I graduated at the top of my class from high school. Wow. And then after high school, I choose to go on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I serve my mission among my people in Haiti. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So you, you went on a mission and you were able to serve the people in Haiti. Um, and did anybody else from your family get converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yes, my two younger siblings... Kiki and Will, they call them Will and Kiki here. And then they were able to join the church. And my little brother, who is 20 right now, he's serving his mission in the Ivory Coast Mission. Okay. So. And then at the end, my mom ended up coming, coming here three years ago. And then she joined the church while she was in Utah. Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful. That's no. wonderful. And she's been here then the three years with you? No, she's been back and forth. We okay. tried to bring her here in our special moment, like my graduation, <laughs> uh-huh. my newborn baby. Oh, that's so wonderful. When's your wife due? December 13th. We have an, our third baby. It's a little girl. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. So tell me a little bit how you ended up in Utah then. So you served your mission in uh-huh. Haiti. Yeah. So... The thing is, you know how things happen in our life, but the more we take time to see why, the more we realize that, wow, I needed to do something with that. Yes. So after the earthquake, I knew I must be alive for some reason. And I wanted to make something out of my life to do something with that. But I also, I was able to give it all to God and tell him, hey, I know I'm here, but I wanted you to to guide me, to tell me why. And I was 
I was looking for ways to not only keep my promise, but to do something with my life. I remember after my mission, I had that feeling that I needed to help my country. I needed to help Haiti. But in order for me to help Haiti, there are things I can't learn inside of Haiti. I need to learn them outside of Haiti. And then I decided to come to Utah to study in college. Okay. I, I came to study at Brigham Big, University, Idaho. Uh-huh. And when, when I first came here, I didn't speak English. My English was so bad. And then I didn't <laughs> have money. I didn't have no place to survive. But I was living at my bishop's house. Oh, that's pretty I remember, brave. <laughs> you know, I remember I was working on my English. I had to take an English test. And I took that test five times. I failed. Oh. <laughs> I had to pay $120 every time I took that test. Oh, wow. At the sixth time, I was able to pass it. And that's when I get accepted to college. That's amazing. But I knew, but I knew that that was the barrier. That was the thing that I needed. Study hard and took that test and then start my school. Because I believe that education is the key for me to help my country. That's beautiful. I, that was amazing what you said. I think that's really impressive to kind of visualize how you said you're not just trying to live out your dreams and make the world better for you, but you have 25 other people on your back that are kind of, you're doing it for your schoolmates also. I think that's such a beautiful and admirable thing. Thank you. Thank you. And then, yeah, I came to Utah. Utah is such a beautiful, wonderful place. A lot of great things to see if, you, if you're willing to see them. <laughs> and, Ooh, that's, that is powerful right there. <laughs> there is a lot of, of beautiful things in Utah if you're willing to see them. That yeah. is true. <laughs> and I, while I was studying English, one of the people who helped me a lot was my best friend, was my beautiful wife. She oh. became my girlfriend. <laughs> we started dating and a lot of other friends. But when I came here, I saw so many opportunities. That's when I knew I had to do something for Haiti. I had to do something to keep my promise. And then I started thinking about ways, finding mentors to teach me because I could have not been able to do those things by myself. That's why I was looking for mentors, people to help me discover how I can use those opportunities. That's, which I'm grateful for. That's great. Who who are the mentors that you kind of turned to at that time? My church leaders, mm-hmm. friends who's been outside of the U.S. and they became my good my great friends, and that's when I started seeing why I was in Utah, why I came to Utah. What did you see? You know what. It wasn't easy. Coming to Utah was one of the toughest and hardest decisions I've ever made. But it was the decision that will change my life forever. I started planning, creating my life here in Utah. I remember I was working. I spent a year without eating lunch just to save enough money to build my first business. And then I got married. My, my entire family came to my wedding. After that, I was able to build, to, to create my, my nonprofit organization to help Haiti. Okay. Imagine if, I've, if, I, if I choose not to come, if I choose to stay, 
I will never discover things that was in store for me. That's true. That's true. So you started a nonprofit and it's called Arise Project for Humanity. Can you tell me a little bit about what your nonprofit does? Yeah, I started it five years ago because I wanted to make a difference in Haiti so bad. I grew up in Haiti. I've seen how so many things sent out to Haiti, but nothing changed. Nothing changed. A lot of great people, white people, they came to help with their heart. They wanted to help this country, but no matter what they've done, nothing changed. Things changed, but not just for a moment. Yeah. And then I create a mentoring program because I believe something. I believe if you can help people change the way they see themselves, the entire life will change. And that's what Haiti needs. They need to learn how they can change the way they see themselves, how they can create for themselves things they expect from other people. And then I said, everything I learned here from the U.S., I'm going to transform that into principles and share them to the Haitian people. That's amazing. And that's when I started this mentoring program. We teach them principles like the power of vision board, finance, affirmations, believe in yourself, the power of I am, because those are principles I'm still applying right now in my life. For example, this morning when I wake up, I did my affirmations. I tell myself who I I am, who I want to see. And then I drip on my ice bath and I work out. I do all these things. Wait one second. You, you jump in an ice bath? <laughs> yeah, it's been 225 so, days. For how long? It's been 225 days since I'm doing it. Straight. You've done it. What does that give you? <laughs> an ice bath. It helps me discover things that my body could do, but I wasn't able to do it before. Wow. And a lot of times in life, we just live inside of the box. But we, we can only see what's inside of the box if you live inside of the box. That's amazing, Williamson. That's what a great idea. Um, so the, the things you're teaching, this is kind of what is a focus for me on this podcast. I want to um, share with people stories of difficult times and then ways that the people who have faced them get through them. So I imagine, like you said, you're teaching these in your mentoring program in Haiti um, and there are things that you're doing. So one thing is your daily affirmation. We teach them the power of vision board, honesty, finance, creating order in your life, like all these principles that can help them be the maker of their own destiny. Yeah, that's so powerful. So how do you get the mentoring program into Haiti? So I went to Haiti. And I met with hundreds of young people. I tell them, hey, you all know where I came from because I came from the same street they came from. Mm -hmm. And they've been following me. They said, Williamson, I want to know. I want to learn. And then I was able to share with them the principles. And I said, okay, now you go home and find youth in your community so that you can teach those principles with them. (laughs) And we train the mentors. We give them certificate. We teach them the basic, basic principles. And then they go home and find their own places, their own youth and teach them those principles. So today we, we have over 35 mentoring programs all over Haiti. It's oh. all about Haitian empowering Haitians. Mm-hmm. And That's then, wonderful. We, like you said, 
We are building the first mentoring center in Haiti right now. It's gonna be a place of hope, a place where Haitians, young people can come and learn the principles that will change their life forever. That's beautiful. I love, I love this idea of going and teaching specific strategies to the people and then in turn um, having them teach other people <laughs> the things that they've learned. I think, I think you've definitely found a formula of success and I think that you're going to make a huge impact in Haiti and I believe that you make a, a huge impact even in the U.S. because of your example. And you are so young. You're only 27 years old and I just think that it's so remarkable to see you um, have this type of an impact. Um, really quick. Oh, go ahead. I said, thank you. And you know what? It's, it's not about me. It's all about what you choose because I would never be able to do the things that I'm doing right now if I didn't have someone like my wife who tell me, honey, you can do it because things get hard so many times. I, I wanted to stop so many times, but she's the one who said, honey, you got this. You can do it. Did you remember where you came from? You know, like she inspired me, remind me where I came from and where God wants me to go, yeah. where I needed to go. Because a lot of us think that our destiny is just to, to be locked down and dead or to just sit down. But our destiny is greatness. It is. And it's everyone's destiny. I think one of the, the slogans that I kind of use on this podcast is um, when we are faced with a trial or a hard thing in our life, we have the opportunity to choose. And we're going to choose to let us, let the trial make us bitter, or we'll choose to let the trial make us better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what you're saying that, you know, you grew up with a hard life and you grew up with hard things with the earthquake and things like that happening around you. But you have made that decision that you're going to use that difficult time to improve your life. And then not only are you improving your own life, but you're improving the life lives of others. And I think that's awesome. So I did want to um, ask if anybody is listening to this podcast and wants to help if they are really enjoying hearing what you're doing in Haiti and they want to help build that mentoring center or help in any way, what, what can they do? How can they reach out to you? Well, thank, thank you, thank you. They can, they can visit our website, ariseprojectforhumanity.com. And then we are all over social media, Facebook, Instagram. They can follow us and they can go to Venmo, donate money to Venmo, PayPal, reach out to us. But give me, give me a call. And then, because I want people not only to help me make a difference, but also to, to see it. To see it because Do you take people over there. Oh yeah. I want people to see the difference. And because not only I'm trying to make, to make a difference in Haiti, I'm trying to be the difference at the same time. So yeah, I think I, you are, I think you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, if anyone would love to join us and donate or be part of that, you can visit our website. Okay. I will definitely attach that in the show notes. Um, I think I would like to end. So the way that I found your story was through a blog post that was written um, on the website of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
And I just wanted to quote one part and then kind of have your thoughts on it. So you kind of talked about going through this experience and all of the thoughts that kind of ran through your mind. Why did God spare my life? What was my calling in life that I needed to fulfill? How was I going to keep the promise I made to God when I told him I would serve him if he saved my life? Have you found answers to these questions? Well, to be honest with you, I believe that we all have things to do in life. We all have been given great things, great opportunities. Like all of my classmates, they've been given great opportunities. But you know what? I don't know why, but I do know that these classmates, they are working with me. That's beautiful. I think that's kind of a, a thing that, that nobody knows. Nobody knows why bad things happen. But I think that being able to use your difficult experience in, in a way that can honor all of those who you lost, um, I think is exactly what your purpose is right now. And I think that you're, you're doing it. So thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us and for being on this podcast. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute to subscribe to A Light in the Darkness and maybe share this with somebody who you think needs to hear it. Because I know that that's, that's why I share these stories. And I know that that's why Williamson shares his story. Um, you're always welcome to reach out to me on carlyrobison.org, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I want to give a special thanks to my son, Carter, for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at carterguitar456. 